welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. What's going on today? Man, just uh, sitting here prepping for Holy Week. Holy Week? Yeah, man. This week? This week. Easter. Good this, Friday. This podcast isn't coming out for a week and a half. So, all that's passed. It's true. Hope but, it goes well. But currently, it is Good Friday. <laughs> currently, it is Good Friday. First off, uh, go to Patreon, $5. Click all the buttons around things, like and subscribe, and all of that stuff. Today, we are talking about baptism. Yes, we are. And whatever reason anyone needs to do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about all that good, fun water stuff. The water stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a question I have, but we'll get to it later. All righty. So, let's get started. Um, why should I get baptized? Why does anyone care to do that? And uh, Jesus was baptized, but I feel like if you took that part of the story out, it wouldn't make a difference. So, what is the point? What is it the point for us or point for Jesus? What was the point? What's the point of anyone doing it? Okay, okay. Why did Jesus care to do it? Right. So, Jesus, when he's baptized, he actually said it was to fulfill Scripture. Okay, which part okay. of scripture? So he doesn't specifically identify. <laughs> but what he means by that is that... Do you for, mean fulfill scripture, like, since that's part of scripture, just make it more scripture? No, no. like So he can fill up more scripture? N- no, okay. not that kind. And so, no, what Jesus is talking about here is that he's actually, so Jesus is baptized by John the baptizer, okay? Mm-hmm. So John the baptizer is going before Jesus, and his it's said of John that his baptism is a baptism of repentance. Okay. So he was calling people to repent because the Messiah was coming, the kingdom of God was coming. So he's calling people to repent, all right? So here comes Jesus, and he comes along. And he tells John that he needs to be, that John needs to baptize him. And John's like, I don't need to baptize you. You're the Messiah. You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me. And this is to fulfill scripture. And what he's referring to in that is not that he needed to repent, obviously. Mm. He did not need to repent of anything. Um, He's the Messiah. He's perfect. He's without sin, without blemish. So there is no need at all and for, for that part to happen. And so, but for Jesus, it was a sign of being willing to humble himself and submit, okay, um, to John the Baptist, who's the one who's going before him, preparing the way for the Messiah. And the, the big part for Jesus is of him getting baptized. When he is baptized, when he comes, so he goes under the water, when he comes up out of the water, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus, it says, like in the form of a dove, okay? Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, and from that moment on, Jesus is being led and directed by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is empowering Jesus, leading Jesus to be able to perform miracles, do signs and wonders, preach the gospel with power. So one of the things that I think a lot of people don't think about is the fact that Jesus never performed one miracle, never did one sign and wonder prior to this baptism. So this baptism was an entryway into the beginning part of Jesus' ministry, 
Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. But also when he comes up, not only does the Holy Spirit come upon him, it says that the that the voice of God or the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And so there together at the baptism, you have Father speaking, Holy Spirit coming upon, and the Son hearing and receiving that. And so really what you have there is the Trinity. So getting baptized is how you gain superpowers. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> And we will, but we'll, we will get into what happens at baptism. Okay. Okay. But for Jesus, Holy Spirit came upon him after his baptism. And that's when he began to move in power. All right. Now for us as Christians, why should we get baptized? Because Jesus commands us to. Okay. That's it. Hey, he commands us to. So if he didn't say to do it, we just wouldn't do it. Well, no. yeah, I mean, he, right. I mean, if he didn't say to do it, well, yeah, we wouldn't do it. Okay. But what it's what's happening is is we're being baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it says in Matthew twenty eight. So Jesus commands his disciples, and he says, "Go and make more disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey." And I am with you always. And what so what Jesus is saying is. Part of the discipleship process is being baptized. So go and make disciples. In other words, what he's Jesus saying is go calls or lead more people to follow me. And then when they begin to follow me, baptize them. Okay. So I can't get any Holy Spirit action without getting baptized. No, I wouldn't say that because, all right. So we need to make some distinctions here, okay? Okay. So here in Matthew 28, Jesus is saying, all right, go lead them to lead them to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. When they lead when you lead them to me, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. What's happening in that baptism is the individual is identifying with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. So the individual now is identifying that they are a disciple of Jesus, that they have fully, completely identified with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They've identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. They are following God. But when they make the first step of discipleship, and that's repentance, repentance is always the first step. Getting saved. Getting saved. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, first sermon that Peter preaches after Pentecost is he stands up and he says, he, he tells them about who Jesus is. They ask, what shall we do to be saved? His response is repent and be baptized. So did Jesus have to say that he believed in himself before he got baptized? <laughs> like, was he having to make a confession of faith for himself? Yes. Um, no. Okay. Okay. But... Was he identifying in that baptism with the Father and with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay. Okay. So this is this is like saying that you're. So what's the difference? <laughs> was it so? If I get saved, it doesn't mean necessarily that I identify with all of these. Yeah. When you're okay. When you get saved, are do you identify with all those things? Yes. Sure, you do. Okay. Okay. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Okay. The moment you're saved, Holy Spirit is in you. 
Okay, uh, Paul uses different language to refer to the Holy Spirit in you. He will refer to it as a down payment, a deposit, the first fruits. And so he would refer to it as a seal uh, for the day of our redemption. So the Holy Spirit is in us, okay, when we get saved. But then, uh, but then what I'm saying is that next step of obedience after getting saved should be baptism. Okay. I'm not saying it always is. Okay. Okay. And I'm not saying you're not saved if you don't get baptized. But baptism is a is the sign of the covenant that you've now entered into with with God. Mm-hmm. All right. So every covenant, so the covenant that God made with Noah, the covenant that God made with Abraham, covenant that God made with Moses, they all have signs. Okay. That accompany those covenants. For Noah, it was the rainbow. For Abraham, it was circumcision. For Moses, it was Sabbath. Okay, mm. so they all have signs that they have connected with these covenants, and that's, that's identifying them with the covenant they've come into. Okay, mm-hmm. and so as believers, once we are saved, we have entered into a new covenant. So I'm identifying with that new covenant uh-huh. when I get baptized. Correct. That baptism is the sign of identification with that covenant. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so now I'm identifying with Christ and identifying the fact that I am entering into this new covenant with him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how should I get baptized? Should uh, I get water sprinkled on me mm-hmm. or should I have water poured on me? Mm-hmm. Or should I go underwater? Mm-hmm. Or should I get waterboarded? <laughs> or should I get shot with the hose? Or right. should I go outside while it's raining? What's the difference? What's the method here we're looking for? What are we doing? Okay. So the word baptizo that we derive baptism from mm-hmm. okay, is often associated with immersion. Okay. So being completely immersed in water, all right? To you. <laughs> and so, and with extra biblical resources that we have from the time, we see that's the case, but it's not exclusively the case. Okay. Okay. So in other words, sometimes cu- uh, it's referring to like a, a cup is, is dipped into the water, mm. all right? Sometimes a cup's all the way under the water. Sometimes... Um, is refer like there's extra biblical examples of using this word to describe a ship that has completely been submerged underwater. Oh wait, so there's people who who argue over how far into the water you should put your cup before you pour it on you. No, the, like the, what I'm saying is what I'm, so. What I'm saying is the, there's an argument over does the word itself mean you have to go all the way under? Oh, or does it mean it can be other things as well? Okay. And what I'm saying is, I w- the conclusion I would come to is that it can mean other things. Okay. Okay. Do I think that the pattern that we see in Scripture most often is immersion? Yes. Do I believe that one can be baptized by being having water poured on them, having water sprinkled on them? Yes to that as well. Which one did Jesus do? Jesus went all the way under. So that's the one that we should probably do that. And then he went up. Okay. So I would say that if all things being equal, mm-hmm. okay, if you have the chance to be immersed, mm-hmm. if you have a chance to be baptized and go all the way under the water and come up, right? To me, that is 
that would be my Joseph Tillman. That would be Joseph mm-hmm. Tillman's preference. Okay, that one would go down and identify with the death and the burial of Jesus, and then as one comes up out of the water, they're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. All right, but. I know people who've been sprinkled. I know people who've had water poured on them. And all of those are valid mm-hmm. as long as one is being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as that's happening, that's a valid baptism. So, for example, if you've got someone and they're elderly or they're physically disabled and cannot actually be immersed, what are we going to say? Well, sorry, you can't be baptized. No, that's crazy. no. We'll take water, we'll pour it over the person, we'll take water, we'll sprinkle it on the person, mm. and that's their baptism, right? As we bapt- we pour the water or we sprinkle it over them, and we say in the name of the, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As early as early on as the late first century, we have historical, you know, biblical or historical Christian writings that describe baptism. And one of them, the Dadash, refers to not only being immersed, but they say if you can't be all the way immersed, take water and pour it over them three times. So the name of the Father, there's one pour, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. Okay, mm-hmm. And so I am perfectly fine with any three modes of baptism. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to submerse someone who's like hooked up to machinery. <laughs> right. Because that would kill you. That's not going to be good. No, that would no. Okay, so when should I get baptized? When I'm a baby, or when am I old enough to make this decision to do it? Or because the people do it different ways. Yeah, they do, and they baptize babies a lot. So yep. And this is not like a new phenomenon, right? Like yeah. people have been baptizing babies or infants since. I mean, we don't it. We know for sure that they were baptizing infants as early on as the third century. Yeah, and it seems like they baptize them before they get dried off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they, they baptize, they baptize them, them pretty quick. Yeah. As possible. And so so some historical background on that, there's a theological understanding that if an infant was baptized, that original sin was broken off of that child. So the power of original sin was broken off of that child. So do it as quickly as possible. Correct. And and so you see that idea, I mean, even in St. Augustine, okay, that idea is present, mm. all right? So now cut I'm, the cord and throw it in the pool. <laughs> well, they wouldn't throw it in the pool. They would take it, sprinkle the child with water. Is that where water births came from? So I, that you could give birth and baptize the baby at the same time? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Don't hold me to it, but okay. I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, so there was an idea of, okay, if we, if we baptize the child really quickly, okay, original sin would be broken off of their life. And if original sin is broken off of their life, if they were to die, because infant mortality was a real thing, mm. right, um, at, at a higher, excuse me, infant mortality was a, and it's at a higher rate was a real thing, um, you know, 2000 years ago, even a hundred years ago. Right. And so the idea was, let's go ahead and baptize them. If they are to die, we'll ins- it will ensure they go to heaven. Oh, okay. Now I would counter that to say that 
there is no need to baptize an infant for the sake of breaking off originals, the power of original sin, because one is scared that that infant, if they die, will go to hell. Okay. So in other words, I would say that if that child, any child before the age that they're able to really grasp and understand Jesus's death and burial and resurrection, any child that dies at a younger age before they get to that kind of, people refer to it as an age of accountability. I would refer to it as an age of being able to really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. A child is not held accountable to that. Okay. Can you uh, make original sin not happen to a baby? No, I wouldn't think so. Okay. Obviously, St. Augustine, who is a brilliant theologian, would argue with me. Okay. Okay. And St. Augustine is living in the the fourth century, by the way. Okay. Okay. So he would really argue with me. Now, someone like Tertullian, who was another church father in the late second century, he would vehemently say, you do not baptize infants, you only baptize those who are old enough to make a confession of faith for themselves. Okay. All right. But all I'm getting to is this has been a long historical debate. Okay. And, and so it's gone on both sides and even there's several denominations, you know, today. So you're, you're Methodist, you're Anglican, you're, um, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Presbyterian, they're all going to baptize infants for the most part, mm-hmm. all right? I mean, Catholic Church baptizes infants. And so we, it's, a, it's a long-standing tradition of it. And then you have the other side, that the other camp, if you were, that has a tradition of not baptizing one until they can have a confession of faith for themselves. Mm. So historically, or throughout church history, there's plenty of people that I highly respect that take a position on different sides of the matter. Okay. So for me, again, Joseph Tillman speaking here, I feel like biblically the pattern that you see is that an individual gets saved and then they're baptized. And that seems to me to be the pattern across multiple people. Yes. Not just Jesus. Not just Jesus. Right. So when we start in Acts chapter two and Peter preaches and 3,500 people come to know Jesus and or 3,000 people come to know Jesus and they're all they're all getting baptized in that one moment. Okay. Uh, At the same time. Peter says repent, get baptized. So we can only assume they all got baptized. Okay. That's a lot of people get baptized. I'm not sure where that all happened. But anyway. And we see the pattern. If you go through Acts, you continually see this pattern of people coming to know Christ, like the Ethiopian coming to know Christ and then getting baptized. And so there's this constant repetition of this. Now, in Acts 16, for example, there's a jailer. He comes to know Christ, and it says that he and all of his household come to to know Christ, and and then they're baptized. And so the question is, well, were there infants in that household right. that were baptized? Um, and so I would say, it doesn't say that explicitly. I think you're making a pretty big jump to claim that. But I understand why individuals make that claim. Um, and that everyone in the house was baptized? Mm-hmm. So like the dog too? <laughs> no, not the dog. Okay. Yeah, just people. Sorry. All right. No dogs. So uh, I think that 
so when you ask the question, you know, when should I get baptized? I would say, I would say personally, for an infant, we should dedicate that infant, that child to the Lord, mm. do a dedication to the Lord, you know, and it could be in the church and you can dedicate the child and you're saying, we're dedicating this child to the Lord. The parents take the responsibility to raise this child in the ways of the Lord and the congregation takes a responsibility to be part of the raising that child of the Lord. Mm. If that child later on comes to faith for themselves, then they can be baptized at that moment. Right. So that's that's where I would fall on this. Does it have to be water, or can I get baptized in, like, Miller Lite? We need water, bro. Because I've been baptized in Miller Lite before. <laughs> that was not a baptism. I don't even know where to start with that. Felt like okay. it to me. <laughs> All right. Let's just... No. Just no. All right. So... All right, so no water. Water is not only preferable. Okay, mm-hmm. water is what we see in baptism. I think the two things that have to be present in baptism. Okay, one is water, mm-hmm. and two is being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and probably a container to hold the water. Also, right, some kind of container to hold water, and you have to be there. Yes, well, the person being baptized okay. has to be there. So yes. That's four things. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, but even the container holding water, right? It could be a big container if you're going under the water, or it could be a cup if you're pouring, whatever, right? And so uh, so there has to be water, and it has to be the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And water is symbolic, obviously, of cleansing. And so Paul also refers to this as washing. We've been washed, Okay. okay, and so there's this idea of this cleansing, and this dates back, you know, all the way back to actually, I was gonna, I was gonna say, it dates back to the tabernacle where the priests were washed in the in the um, laver after doing the sacrifices, but actually the idea of water and cleansing, Peter draws the analogy all the way back to Noah and the flood. And that the water, just as the earth was baptized and cleansed with the water of the flood, so are we washed mm. with water in our baptism. And so, you know, the idea of water has always, biblically speaking, scripturally speaking, held an idea of cleansing. Okay. So, does it have to be holy water? All right. So... <laughs> Um, no. Because it seems like this would be a situation where you'd want to be in holy water. water. Right. No. So the idea of holy water is that water is blessed by a priest and that it becomes holy. Because but wouldn't you want to be baptized in blessed water? I Just give me some water, man. Okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about the... You can be in a lake, you can be in a pond, right? I'm not worried about it having to be this quote-unquote holy water. Because it's not the water that's doing something. Okay. All right. It's the there's a I do I do believe there's a grace and a spirit of God that is present and there in the midst of baptism. In mm-hmm. other words, I don't believe it's just merely symbolic. Okay. I do think yes, it serves as a sign of the new covenant. Yes, it helps one identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that they can always remember and look back toward, but I also believe that when one is baptized, there is a grace and a presence of God that is 
that is tangibly there in that moment. And it doesn't come because I've blessed the water. Okay. It just, when one is baptized, that presence of God, that grace of God is there. So if I get in the water thing and I pee a little, does that contaminate the water and void the baptism? No. I'm just sorry you peed a little in the water. Well, it happens. It does. So that's okay. It doesn't have to be like pure water. Yeah, it just needs to be water, right? Have you, have you ever been in a pond before? Yeah. And like ponds are, they can be kind of gross. Yeah. I mean, you know, and even some of the the rivers and the lakes that individuals have been baptized in over time are, are not the cleanest, purest forms of water. Okay. Yeah. Does it matter if it's fresh water or salt water? No. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, there's nothing like magical about the water. All right. Do I have to prepare myself in any way before I get baptized? Like, do I need to look at myself in the mirror and wash my face a couple times and think about myself and God and Jesus, or can I just go get in a tank? <laughs> yeah, I do think there needs to be some thought toward it, okay. um, because I just believe that that's a... Um, Let's take it seriously, kind of thing, right? Mm. Like I'm not just going to just jump in the water, um, just say I've been baptized. So I do think there needs to be some fault toward it. But if one is saved and they've not been baptized and they want to be baptized, I don't think it takes a whole lot of thought, other than uh, this is something I need to do. Mm. Um, and you know, for example, for me, I wasn't baptized until like four or five years after I got saved. And so I just didn't even, no one ever even talked to me about it. It's kind of weird, but no one did. And then I'm down in Brazil and people are being baptized. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't be baptized before. And I want to be baptized. So I got baptized in Brazil. So Does it matter what you wear? No. Like, do you have to be in church clothes? No. Okay. Absolutely not. But like, I'm pretty sure I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. What am I supposed to feel? When I get baptized, am I supposed to feel anything? I think people feel different things. I think some people feel this sense of, um, they may feel this sense of grace or feel this sense of closeness to God. They may feel this sense of joy uh, or of peace. And then some people may not have this great overwhelming feeling of anything at all. Um, You know, I mean, like, I was really grateful that I was baptized, but I can't sit here and tell you that I've had this crazy feeling about it. You know, just I, I was baptized. I was happy about it. I was thankful for it, but it wasn't like I had this supernatural, like spiritual feeling. Okay. So is my relationship with Jesus supposed to be different afterwards? Like, am I supposed to be a different kind of feeling Christian? I don't think you necessarily, again, some people in the moment may feel like they're closer to Jesus because they've experienced, Mm -hmm. you know, a sacrament. They've actually experienced the same way that at times when we take communion and in in the somberness of taking communion, you may feel closer to God or in the presence of, you know, you're at church and in the presence of God and in worship, you may feel closer to God. So you may have a moment like that at baptism where you feel closer. I'm not saying everyone does, but someone may, but does it mean that you are closer to Jesus? I don't think it means that you're closer to Jesus. I do think 
you've taken a step, you've taken one step of obedience mm-hmm. in being baptized. And so I think that's always a good thing um, to obey Christ and to be baptized. But I don't think it makes you a better Christian. I don't think it makes you closer to God. I will say one of the things that I hope is taught when people are baptized is that from now on, they can look back at that baptism and go, I did, I did die. Mm. I did, you know, I, I, I died with Christ and now I have risen with Christ. And so Romans chapter six you know, verses one through seven speak specifically about this: the idea of of being of dying with Christ in his in his death and his burial and baptism. We die with Christ, and in the same way, we are risen with Christ into newness of life. And so, I do think there is a ability to look back and go, "I I can remember my baptism," and I do think even even remembering baptism and remembering. Christ on the cross, as you know, Christ told us to remember, remember him, you know, remember the cross um, when we take communion. Mm-hmm. I do think that sense of remembering, there can be uh, an empowering there to go, no, I don't have to commit this sin because I have died with Christ. Mm-hmm. I Or I can choose this way to follow Jesus because I have been risen with him and empowered by him to walk in newness of life. So I do think those things can be beneficial for us in our Christian walk. So I'm not going to like, I'm not going to gain any special Christian abilities or get access to secret rooms at the church or anything like that. (laughs) No, nothing like that. Well, okay. I don't know if I'm getting it, to be honest. (laughs) Well, we've still got some time left. Because like... Jesus says it's important, but every time I ask you a question, you're like, nah, it's not a big deal. It's <laughs> not what I've said, though. Okay. Maybe I need to rephrase all of this. No, so, like, for me, all right, so in in the church, we have two sacraments. Yeah. Okay? Communion, baptism. Mm-hmm. All right? And in communion, we're reminded of Christ's death on the cross. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because this is the bread. Right? Broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And baptism is we remember the time Jesus got baptized, which if he didn't do that, then we wouldn't have to get baptized. No. In, no. When we're baptized, we're remembering the Christ's death and his resurrection. Okay. All right? Why? Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> why, like, why are we remembering those things? Yeah, in our baptism. All right, so Romans six. Well, why does why does how is that different from communion? All right, so for, let me just read Romans six. Okay, okay. All right, so in Romans six, verse three, are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death, in order that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. And so the idea of it is the fact that I am I am buried with Christ. That's why I'm going under the water. I'm I'm identifying with that death and burial of Jesus. Coming out of that water, I'm identifying with his resurrection. Okay, so, so it's like I'm so- going into a watery grave. 
and I'm coming out of okay. that grave. Okay, so communion is like, here's Jesus on the cross. This is the blood that was coming out of his mm-hmm. hands, and, you know, here's a good cut of Jesus. Okay. And then baptism is after that. So we're, we're, we're essentially remembering all the important parts of what happened on the cross with both things. Yeah, absolutely. And then, okay. and then with baptism, what's added to that is the resurrection. Right. Yes. So the resurrection is baptism and communion's the other part. Yeah, communion is just cross. Baptism is, okay, we died, and now we've been raised with Christ. Okay, so... So how come you only get baptized once to okay. remember that part? But mm-hmm. but I think when we did the communion episode, did mm-hmm. we do a communion episode? No, we didn't do a communion I, episode. I think we talked about we communion talked at about some it. point. Yeah. And I asked you if, how much you could do it, uh-huh. and you said, well, you could do it every day if you want. So sure. how come you only get baptized one time, but you can do communion all the time? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. So... In baptism, what we see, again, scripturally, the pattern is you're baptized once, Mm. okay? Jesus was baptized once. His disciples were baptized once. Well, wasn't he baptized twice because he actually did what baptism represented later? No, but he was baptized in water once, okay? And so, so he's baptized, you know, once. The disciples are baptized once. The followers of Jesus are baptized once. So we see this biblical pattern of it just being a one-time thing. And remember, it's the sign of the circumcision, or it's a sign, excuse me, it's a sign of the covenant. Okay. Okay? And so just as a child, when they are circumcised on the eighth day, a Jewish child circumcised on the eighth day is identifying with the old covenant, or the the covenant of Abraham, that happens one time. And so in the same way, we should die and rise with him, okay, once. Now, communion, you're right, it's, it's do it, you can do it every day. So the idea, like when Paul says, and as you know, often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me, he's quoting Jesus there, but St. Jesus says, often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so the idea is, as often as we do this, every time we take communion, we are remembering the fact that he died on that cross. And so, but baptism is the sign of that covenant. It is, so I only need to be baptized one time. Now, so getting baptized is the same thing as skin getting cut off my penis. It is the same sign. Yes. I'll just answer your question. Yes. Okay. So in Colossians chapter two, Paul actually equates the two. He does. He does. All right. So in he's so in Colossians chapter two, he says you were circumcised, okay, mm-hmm. and so and the idea of identifying with that old covenant, okay, okay, but now circumcision is not the sign for this new covenant. Baptism is. So is that why they baptize people as a baby? Because you get circumcised as a baby? Okay. Okay. So. Yes, that actually is a thought of why there is, for some some Christians, they actually make the connection with, okay, so if they're no longer, and especially like in the, it, it, earlier on, like early church, okay, first, mm-hmm. second centuries, when Jews began to come to know Christ, well, 
they had always identified with that old covenant through circumcision. Mm. And now the idea of, okay, well, I don't have to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus, but I do need to have a sign that I'm in the new covenant. And so, yes, there are some traditions in which they understand infant baptism as basically the replacement of circumcision. Okay. Because I wouldn't want to get circumcised as an adult. Uh, Yes. Agree wholeheartedly. That wouldn't be fun. At all. Yeah. We see it one time happen in Genesis and a whole bunch of people die, but whatever. Wait, what? (laughs) In Genesis? So Jacob's sons convinced this whole village. Oh, a whole village, not just one guy with a rogue penis. No. Just (laughs) killing people with it. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. So in Genesis, there's this story of his two brothers and their sister has been raped. And so they convinced this village where of the guy who raped her sister wants to marry the sister, that kind of thing. All right, we'll, we'll let you marry our sister, but y'all all have to be circumcised. So they all get circumcised. And while they're writhing in agony and pain, the two brothers go and kill them all. Oh. Yeah. So, yes, so circumcision for a male, especially without any kind of, you know, pain medicine, no bueno. Do I need to get baptized to go to heaven? No, you do not. That's it? Yeah, I mean, it's only by faith that we're (laughs) saved. And so, yes, baptism, again, it's a sign of the covenant. It's an important step of obedience. um, But we do not have to be baptized to be saved and to go to heaven. It's just it just feeling more pointless as I keep asking questions. But maybe maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> oh man! I uh, so. Do I have to get baptized in front of people? No, you don't have to get baptized in front of people. We see in Acts chapter eight that Philip actually baptizes an Ethiopian, and there's no one around. Okay. Yeah, it's not like they're doing it. They're not doing it in a church service. They're not doing it in front of a bunch of people. From from what we can read, at least in Acts chapter eight, it was the Ethiopian in the water, and Philip is baptizing him in the water. Okay. So no, you don't have to do it in front of a lot of people, though often it is done in front of a lot of people. Why? Because there. Because again. Some people really identify baptism or they view baptism, excuse me, as a public display of their confession of faith. Okay. And I don't know if it has to be seen quite as dramatically as that as a public confession. I mean, I'm good with that, but I don't know if it necessarily has to be the fact there's all these people there just to witness it. Okay. Okay. Yes, of course, in our baptism, we're making a public or we're making a confession of faith. And anyone who's viewing it, watching it, seeing it is understanding that's what we're doing. But it only has to be done. But I do think there's a beauty, a beauty of individuals being baptized with a community of believers. Mm. Because now, not only because I think there's a I guess I'll put it this way. I think there's like a rejoicing in that. Like a rejoicing in, yeah, you've identified with Christ and his death, his burial and the resurrection. And for those that are witnessing the baptism, it's a reminder of our own baptism. 
and mm-hmm. of, of what we did. And so I, th- I really think it's um, a powerful moment, but I don't think it necessarily has to happen in front of a large group of people or in a church. You know, um, I've been at several baptisms that were in ponds and lakes in you know, little small gatherings of five to ten people. And all of that's perfectly fine. Does it matter if I get baptized more than once? Like, if I was a wee little circumcised child mm-hmm. baby and okay. got baptized back then, mm-hmm. and then I want to do a different style when I'm 30, right. does it matter? Yeah, so when when one is like an infant getting baptized, mm-hmm. okay, and then they're baptized later on at, let's say, the age of 30, because they're making their own confession of faith at that point, I'd actually would encourage them to be baptized again. Okay. So that they can remember their baptism. Um, so I would actually encourage that. And so in that case, you know, I, I'd have no problem with it at all. Um, but I do think that, so for me, I would not want to just continually rebaptize someone, or for me personally, continually for me to be rebaptized. Okay. I don't think. There's anything beneficial that's happening in that? Is there anything detrimental that's happening? I guess I've, I guess because of viewing baptism as a sacrament and as something that's holy and set apart for God, I believe that when we're baptized, there's something again very powerful about being able to look back to that baptism and go, "That's when I died." That's you know, even if we go off the path. Right. So even if we feel like we've 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 strayed away from Jesus, we've strayed away from God, we've been doing our own thing, now we're coming back to God. I don't think you have to be rebaptized at that point. I think you can just say, you know what? I'll, I identified and walked with Christ, I'll identify with him in baptism. And along the way, I just went off, but thanks be to God I can come back and I can always look back at my previous bapt or at my baptism and know, okay, I have identified and, you know, so I can remember that baptism and I don't have to be baptized again. Um, so I don't think there needs to be like a constant, like need of feeling like I can get baptized over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and do I think there's anything detrimental? I do think it can just eventually take away the significance of it for an individual. Okay. And I, and I, I would be concerned about that. Like, I do know people, for example, that they, they have their baptism, they go to Israel, <laughs> and they're by the Jordan River, and they go get baptized because they're in Israel. They want to be baptized in the Jordan River. Where, uh, and so, like, the where John. Water the, doesn't matter. Where John the Baptist was baptizing people. Yeah. I, I like, if I'm in Israel and I'm by the Jordan River, I'm not getting rebaptized. Okay. Like, my baptism in Brazil. That's important enough for me. That's good enough for me. I don't need to be rebaptized. The Brazilian river is better. <laughs> yeah, or in this case, like a trough. But yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so... Why'd you get baptized in Brazil? I was I was spending the summer down there. Oh. Yeah, I was working down there. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So... So, what if I got baptized when I was six years old? Don't remember it, but... I was probably smart enough to know or be told what was happening, and right. now I'm 30 and I want to get baptized again. Is that okay? Yeah, I mean, like if you're if you feel like, especially if you feel like 
I mean, I don't know anything about it. I don't know if I even believed anything for myself. Right. I would, I go, yeah, that's fine. Let's rebaptize you. Okay. Um, and, and that, again, that's Joseph, right? There are plenty of pastors who would not do that. There's plenty of pastors who would not, if you were baptized as an infant, they would not baptize you again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, a lot of this is not essential for salvation type things. So it's not essential doctrines in that case of, of the mode and the timing. Um, I think we'd all view baptism as a sacrament as important, but there's going to be differences within different traditions within the Christian faith. Who is authorized to baptize someone? Do you have to get special certification and go through no. dunking people training? And <laughs> No, like, I, you know, I've, I've been involved where, and I think it's one of the cooler things where an actual like father will baptize their child. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love watching that. And, and so I don't think it has to be a pastor. Okay. Okay. I don't think it has to be a, a someone who's a deacon or an elder or, you know, no, like anyone can baptize someone. I mean, that's why he told Jesus, told the disciples, Hey guys, y'all go make more disciples and baptize them in the name of the father. So in the, Son of the Holy Spirit, and the expectation would be that that would keep repeating itself. So there was no sense of you have to have this office or this title to be able to baptize someone. No, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Cool. You can go baptize people. Okay. So there's no, like, academy or anything where everyone has their own basin (laughs) and, you know, they clean it every day? No. Okay. No, you don't need all that stuff. All right. Yeah. The only time I ever see it happening is when people are posting pictures on Facebook, like, hey, look, my kid got baptized, or hey, look at all these people that we baptized. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, again, another way for Christians to just show off how being around other Christian-y they are. <laughs> and that is what it feels all it is to me at this point. So, like, it's like they couldn't, it's like they couldn't get a picture of someone getting saved because mm-hmm. it'd just be somebody with their eyes closed. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so, hey, here's this public display that we can show we were at. Gotcha. So it's annoying and respond. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I don't know, I'll don't take it from a couple of different angles. Okay. One, as a family that wants to say, hey, our, our child got baptized or our Parent got baptized, sibling, whatever it may be. I mean, I, I and they they posted on Facebook. I think that's awesome. Like they're just, in other words, if they're saying, "Hey, can you kind of celebrate with us because someone got baptized?" I think that's fantastic. Mm. All right, and so I, I'm I'm cool with that. Um, and and I do think there are you know well-meaning churches that post pictures and stuff of the people that they baptize at their church. They're like, hey, you know, hey, again, join with us in celebrating the fact that this child or this individual got baptized. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, but do, have I seen where baptisms turn into kind of like a production? And then it's kind of like, let us show you how cool we can do baptisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. And that's off-putting to me. It Yeah. Because the reality is, it's a very simple thing. Like, I don't need special lights or special music or, right, when when it's happening. And I'm not saying 
listen, I'm not saying you can't have music in the background, that kind of stuff when people are being baptized. That's fine. Oh, but, I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah. But does all the I, hallelujah chorus have it, to play? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, but all I'm saying is the fact that I think there's a difference between, hey, join with us in celebrating, you know, that someone got baptized mm-hmm. or we're having a service about baptism or we're having a service today and people are being baptized in our service. Great. Right. But I do think the social media part has affected it where it's like, now we have to kind of show you how cool we can be while we, while we do baptisms. Right. That, and then, and then show the, you know, the reels and the video clips and the pictures of that on social media, because they're trying to show you, aren't you impressed with how awesome our baptisms look? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, ugh. Look how clear our water tank is. <laughs> this is the purest baptism water ever. Yeah, I yeah, I, I gotta be careful with this kind of stuff. But yeah, it that's what bothers <laughs> me. Anytime, anytime we start making a production out of something holy, I get irritated. Okay. So, what do you think about baptism, Nate? Because up to this point, you have not been very impressed with anything I've had to say. I don't think. Not so. really. Yeah. All right. So, so I've been baptized twice. Okay. One was one was when I was six years old, and mm. the other time was like three years ago, and I didn't feel anything either okay. time. Okay. I don't remember the first time. I know there's a picture, but I don't remember doing it. Okay. And which to me means, I why was I baptized then? Okay. Yeah. Sure. So I guess there's a question All for right. you. What do you think about parents pushing their kids to get baptized as soon as they're saved? Should that be a thing, or should you let them wait no, I and think, do it for themselves? I think, yeah, I think that I think you can ask the child, but then leave it with the child, right? Okay. So, in other words, you ask, and then if if the child's not ready, that's okay, because you do want them. To, you do want them. To, it needs to be a significant moment for them, and it needs to be something they're choosing to be a part of and do. Like their own gender? Not like that at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about that sometime later, but no. And so I won't... Uh, like, our kids were all very different. Like, one of my kids waited years before getting baptized. Mm. Um, and... And then I had another child, and man, they were ready as soon as I got saved. <laughs> like, get me in the water. I want to be baptized. Um, and then I had another one that waited a little bit, but not terribly long afterwards. Um, but I did appreciate one of them waiting, um, the older one waiting, because I felt like by the time that one was baptized, it was, you know, like they really like to this day, they remember it. It means something to them. And so I don't think parents should push the agenda. I mean, I think they should offer it. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're saved. You want to be baptized now, but then allow the child to make the decision. And I think the child probably needs to, to you know, like for me as a pastor, I always talk to the children. Like if, if it's involved, even if it's an adult, I'm going to talk to them, but especially a child. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure the child like understands what's happening, understands the significance of it, because you don't want to do it at such a young age where none of that matters to them. And or like they're just like, well, I've just seen people get baptized, so I'll be baptized. I want it to be a little deeper than that for the individual. Okay. Well, I got baptized again because 
apparently wasn't deep enough for me <laughs> Okay. the first time, uh-huh. even though I was shorter back then, so you'd think it would be deep enough. Right. But mm. anyway, but I didn't feel anything, and so it just all feels pointless. Okay. Because Why do you all to... you've said all day is, like, you don't need it to be a Christian. It doesn't really matter if you do it. It doesn't matter how you do it. There's, like, a hundred different ways to do it. <laughs> And so I've probably been baptized a thousand times and not even known it. <laughs> wait, if I, wait, if wait. I just go home and <laughs> and pour water on myself and then say in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, look, I'm baptized again. Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would do that either. But <laughs> no, but, but it just seems like like there's so many. It's so like debated. Right. On how to do it, or when to do it, or why to do it, or okay, it just doesn't seem all right. So I, I get it. Okay, so before I get into all the why do I think it's important? Why do you feel like you have to feel something? Because why do it if there's no? I mean, but we do a lot of things in following Jesus out of obedience that don't have anything to do with a feeling. Okay. I mean, I feel wet afterwards. <laughs> okay, well that's and I drive home in my wet clothes and <laughs> right and <laughs> okay, so wonder why I did this. <laughs> okay, yeah, but all right, so I don't think there has to be any kind of feeling attached to it. Okay, you're wanting to attach a feeling for it. In other words, feelings don't have to be present for things to mean something or matter. Okay, all right. I mean that's universal. Okay, not just in baptism, but just. And, you know, like I can do things that are of significance or of importance and not have a feeling attached to that. But I do think that we can at the same time say that baptism is really important. And so if I've made it seem less than that, then I definitely have portrayed it wrong. And so, I mean, the reality is before Jesus did anything in ministry, he was Jesus himself was baptized. So we should immediately begin to go, okay, it's important. Jesus was baptized, therefore I need to be baptized. And then further on, Jesus says, go and make disciples. And when you do that, when you're going and making disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's happening. Throughout all the book of Acts, throughout all the book of Acts, individuals are getting saved and immediately What's what happens right after getting saved? They're baptized. And so throughout scripture, you see this importance of baptism. We see the importance of how baptism is helping us identify with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We're seeing it as a sign of the new covenant that we've entered into. And so I think it's incredibly important. It's why it's identified as one of the sacraments, one of the things that Jesus himself told us to go and do along with communion. So I think it's incredibly important. Do I believe that church history has said that baptism can happen in different ways or different with different modes? In other words, sprinkling, pouring, all the way being immersed in water, yes. Do I believe there's been discussions of infant baptism or waiting until the, after they finish confirmation or doing it as an adult? Yes, all those things have been present. But in every single one of those things, it's always really important. And so so let's say I'm sitting here having a conversation with a, a, I have a, a, a really good friend who's an Anglican priest. 
and they baptize infants, okay? Mm-hmm. And we would sit here and we would disagree about that part, all right? Mm-hmm. But both of us would hold to it is really important. It's a really big deal. It it's it matters. And so I think no most Anglican priests feel like it's more of a big deal than we do sometimes. They it probably the way that it's presented and done it, it is it is probably presented and done in more of a formal way mm-hmm. that causes it be, just because many times you know the Anglican or Episcopalian or Catholic you know liturgy is more formal mm-hmm. and so therefore baptism is formal as well in the midst of that and so and do I think at times I will say this I'll be honest do I think for example Anglicans tend to view and or tend to value the sacraments more mm-hmm. than just your normal everyday Protestant? Yes, I do. And do I think we should value it as much as they do? Yes. I believe that we should value communion and hold it into such a high esteem. For Anglicans, for example, the whole service, the whole liturgical service leads up to the what they call leading up to the table. So everything is moving towards the table of taking communion. And so every Sunday, everything's moving toward that moment. And so, yes, it's really important for them. They hold it at such a high value. And I believe it should not just be one of those passing things we do during church service. It really should be something we hold of really high value and be very intentional about doing, very thoughtful about doing, be sober-minded and and when we do it. And so I, I do think we should see it as holy and as sacred. And the same thing as baptism. It should be holy and sacred. It's rejoicing because we're seeing one, again, identify with Christ in being baptized into Christ Jesus, as Paul says in Galatians 3. And so, yes, it is that part is exciting um, and, and joyful, but it's still holy and it's still of really high value. And so um, I, I do hope that even though, yeah, there's there's these differences, these different modes that we can still see, though, that historically through the church and biblically, it is really important. It's always been a high priority put on the importance of baptism. And I, and that is one of the reasons why I don't think people should just be baptized over and over and over and over again, because I think we begin to nullify the importance of it. So if I'm taking communion mm-hmm. or getting baptized, mm-hmm. what should I think while doing it? So Paul is pretty clear in 1 Corinthians 11 that before we take communion, we should judge ourselves. In other words, that we should look inward mm. and say, where do I, where have I fallen short of Christ's standard this, whether it be this week or this month, however often one takes communion, where you know where am I falling short, and asking to be forgiven, hmm. um, and so in other words, really judging yourself, like where have I not looked like Christ, and then asking for forgiveness, and in that somber place of of somber judgment of oneself, take communion, hmm. and baptism to me is is. Something that maybe is a little different. I think there's a lot of somberness going into it, but I think the action itself is celebratory. 
because okay. yes, we are identifying with the death and the burial of Jesus, but the resurrection part is the celebratory part of baptism. Okay. So I'm supposed to feel bad when I'm taking communion, but I'm supposed to feel good when I'm getting baptized. <laughs> I would hope that while before you take communion, you would have honest assessment of yourself. So you may feel convicted. Yes. Okay. And then, but you've taken communion now. You have asked for forgiveness. You've received grace. And so after communion, you should feel a sense of, I am right with God. So I take communion more than get baptized because I need grace all the time. You need, correct. But Jesus only came back from the dead for us one time. I think we take communion. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think you're getting to something, right? Where we take okay. communion on a regular basis because we regularly have to judge ourselves in the reality of where, where, where do we not look like Christ in our lives? Where do I need to ask? You know, and what part of my life do I need to ask forgiveness for? Okay. Where in baptism, that's that one identification moment. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I still didn't feel anything when it happened, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I don't have to do it again, so. Right. Don't got to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, right? I, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. No. Okay. Yeah. So I shouldn't look back and go, ugh, like, wish I would have felt what everybody else seems to be yeah, looking no, don't, like they're feeling in all those pictures on Facebook. Right. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> well, and don't hyper, like, spiritualize it in, in the sense, what I mean by that is don't make it have to, like, oh, I got to feel this certain spiritual feeling. Okay. That didn't have to be attached to it. You could have fooled me because when Jesus got baptized, like the sun came out and a dove flew around, and it just seems like it should be more important than okay, you're wet now. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is more important, like we said, it's more important than just you're wet now. See ya. <laughs> But I understand what you're saying, where in Jesus' baptism, you know, Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. The voice of the Father was heard. Right. Pretty big moment. Yeah. Right. I understand that. And But I think the the joyous moment for, for most people in being baptized, again, the joyous moment is not just in the fact they're being baptized. It's in the fact that they are saved and that they're in Christ. Okay. Because getting saved is like hard and not fun, and <laughs> well, getting well, getting saved. No, getting saved is is. I mean, yes, it's full of repentance initially, right, mm-hmm. and asking for forgiveness. But then, when we're saved, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, and that's when you get baptized. It's joyful. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I think in an, an ideal world, one would get saved and pretty quickly be baptized afterwards. So it's connected to that joyful state of I've just been saved. Okay. Well, this has been the Winter Heard This Podcast. You can find the podcast on most to all major podcast places. You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. Patreon, $5. Make sure you click all the buttons around the things. Download, subscribe, and notifications, and share. Share it. Share the podcast. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff, and you can find Joseph on Instagram at RevJoT. This has been the one I heard this podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.